Marilyn Renee Nicole McCown, Nikki to those who loved her most, was a 28-year-old mother of one from Richmond, Indiana. She was ambitious and had aspirations of being an FBI agent. On July 22, 2001, Nikki was at her mother's. She was nervous but wouldn't say why. She then left to go get her clothes at a local laundromat. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. have any warning signs going on in your life right now? If you need to pause this podcast to think about it, go ahead and do so. Make a quick examination. I'll be here when you get back. Because taking those 10 or 30 seconds or a minute may just save you a lot of time, money, or even your life. My perception is we get so caught up in our daily patterns, we can't wait for quitting time or the weekend or vacation, driving that same loop over and over that we put off or ignore those things that are happening outside of that pattern. Why am I losing weight for no reason? Why is my husband staying late at work again? Why is my company cutting back here and there? All signs that something needs to be done or something is wrong, but many times we don't do anything until it's too late because it doesn't fit the story we're trying to write for our life. In Nikki McCown's case, She was a successful, ambitious, educated woman who had many things going for her. Beautiful daughter, fiancé, large family who loved her. She had a work ethic and personality type that had taken her places and was going to take her places, maybe even to the FBI. But there were warning signs. The co-worker who wouldn't leave her alone. A woman who had a beef with Nikki going back a decade. The fiancé who wanted her to be someone else. And I think Nikki perceived these problems, but I'm not sure she saw them as warning signs of more trouble to come. Like everything else in her life to that point, she would overcome them through hard work and keeping her eye on her life. But then trouble came, and Nikki was gone. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Nikki McCown was last seen at her mother's house in Richmond, Indiana, around 3 p.m. on July 22, 2001. Before that, she had stopped at the Richmond Coin Laundry to wash her clothes. It is believed Nikki visited her mother while the clothes were in the dryer. While at her mother's, Nikki appeared nervous, although she would not tell her mother why. This was not unusual for Nikki due to her personality type of relying on herself to solve the problems in her life. Nikki made a couple of phone calls, including one to a co-worker to ask her about some vitamins Nikki was interested in. Nikki then left her mother's and was never seen again. Contrary to published reports, there's no videotape showing her loading her clothes into her GMC Jimmy after she was done at the laundromat. Instead, there is a videotape from a convenience store near the laundromat that shows Nikki entering, getting change from the cashier, then leaving. According to the timestamp on this video, Nikki entered the store before she went to her mother's. Over three months later, Nikki's SUV was found in an apartment complex 45 minutes away in Dayton, Ohio. Coincidentally, 
This is the exact same complex where the father of Nikki's daughter was living at the time. One of the door locks on the vehicle had been punched out. The radio was missing, but Nikki's clothes were still in the back seat, folded neatly. Of note, this vehicle was not Nikki's. It was her fiancé's, and he was driving her car that day. They were due to be married in August of 2001. Nikki was working at a prison at the time of her disappearance. She was friends with a co-worker, Tommy Swint, who was later discovered to be the prime suspect in the murder of a woman in Dayton in 1991. However, this information was not known at the time of Nikki's disappearance. In addition, Nikki's fiancé, Bobby Webster, acted very strangely on the day of Nikki's disappearance and later failed a lie detector test when asked about Nikki. Nikki also had threats made against her by Bobby's ex, who was the mother of his child. Nikki's case remains unsolved. Her family suspects foul play. The interview for this episode is with Nikki's sister, Michelle McCown Luster. Unfound News Unfound, for the first time, is going to be dipping its toe into Patreon. I've had several people over the last six months ask me when that was going to happen and I deeply appreciate their desire to contribute monetarily to the podcast. To start, there will just be one tier. However, as I bring some of the other things online, books, shirts, and other merchandise, there will be a variety of levels that should make contributing even more worthwhile. This should be happening very soon, but for the record, there will never be an episode behind any paywall. What we do here is too important to restrict access. Speaking of books, shirts, and other merchandise, Hurricane Irma put me at least a week behind in putting that all together for the simple reason that I didn't know if I would have an apartment after the storm swept through. Luckily, and bizarrely, it seems that Madeira Beach ended up being one of the least touched areas in all of Tampa. We got very lucky, and I continue to think about those people in areas that weren't as fortunate. But now that the storm has passed... I can now finish up those other projects that I've been talking about for quite a while now, especially the first unfound book. Finally, I hope you enjoyed the surprise episode where I interviewed Roseanne Sinclair from California Dreaming. That has to be the third or fourth show I've done interviewing another true crime host. I really enjoy doing that. And in fact, I already have another one of these interviews lined up for a couple weeks from now. I will let all of you know when it's to be released. Where you can find Unfound on Facebook, the Unfound Podcast Discussion Group, on Twitter at Unfound Podcast, on Instagram at Unfound Podcast, on YouTube, the Unfound Podcast channel. You can email the program, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe at Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can also find Unfound on TuneIn Radio and also on Spotify, I believe, by this time. And finally, please mention Unfound at WebSleuth, Reddit, podcasts we listen to, True Crime Podcast, that's a new one, and all other true crime websites and forums. I'm very fortunate to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Nikki McCown, Michelle McCown Luster. Michelle, welcome to Unfound. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Tell the listeners a little bit about Nikki. Uh, growing up with her, were you her older or younger sister? What are some of the, the memories you have of Nikki? 
Um, me and Nikki are a year and a half apart. Uh, we were, we have always been very close. Um, if you see one, you see the other. Um, I was more shy and, uh, more inverted where I kind of didn't socialize as much as Nikki. Um, she was outgoing. Um, she was, uh, very outspoken. She was a cheerleader in high school. Um, she was a daredevil. She liked to, to try new things. And, um, that's where we were opposite. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not trying that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's more, so I will try, you know, jumping, doing anything, jumping off the bike and stuff like that as children. Um, Nikki, she was very academically inclined. She uh, was, um, at the time of her disappearance, she was going to uh, a St. Clair Community College. Um, she was on the dean's list. She had a couple applications. One was for she couldn't decide whether she wanted to be an FBI agent or a U.S. Marshal. Um, she was really into making a difference or um, making change or trying to help someone that may have made a couple mistakes. And um, she was on the hostage negotiation team at the prison, uh, MEPRC. And, um, yeah, she was, she was really, really liked there. I mean, everybody liked her. Um, she's very beautiful. So she's got a lot of attention from men there and, uh, a lot of females, uh, kind of, some of them kind of distanced herself from her because she got so much attention from men. Maybe a little jealous, Um, maybe a little jealous, you think? Yeah. Um, she worked at a, a pre-release center with, which was uh, for men. So um, at first she was a correctional officer. She did that for about, I want to say about six, five or six years. And then she went upstairs to uh, the office where she was um, an accounting. She was in the accounting department. And that's where she was at the time of her disappearance. So she was very ambitious with her schooling, with her mm-hmm. interests. She liked to get out. She was getting uh, furthering her education uh, at the time of her disappearance. This is just the kind of person she was. Right. Right. Now, in high school, uh, this is a, a guy who is going to, I guess, play a role. We don't, we're not saying that he had anything to do with his disappearance. The listeners will eventually have to de- determine that for themselves. But in mm-hmm. high school, she met a Bobby Webster. What can you tell uh, the listeners about Bobby Webster, what you remember about him from those early days when he and and Nikki first met. Okay. Um, in fact, we met, I had just got to high school. I believe Nikki was getting ready to go to high school. 
and I started talking to Bobby's best friend at the time. And um, since me and Nikki was always together, uh, when he would bring Bobby around, him and Nikki would talk back and forth, and that's how they first, you know, started seeing one another. Um, at the time, Bobby, he was rather on the player side. He had quite a few different girlfriends other than Nikki. And um, one would give, one who he had a child with, she would give Nikki a real hard time. It seemed like Bobby was just going from one to another to one to another, and he was kind of making the girls kind of jealous. I don't think Nikki was really ever jealous of her, but I think the girl really had it in for Nikki. And so and, they, they met quite early on then. They were like maybe 15, 16 years old when they first yeah. met. And and did they date yeah. in high school then? Is that the yeah. situation? Yeah. Well, Nikki was 14 and he was in high school. So Nikki was just getting ready to go into high school and he was getting ready to graduate. So... Um, when he graduated, that was right when Nikki was uh, getting to high school. So her and the girl would have bump-ins all the time. And there's a couple of times that they, you know, almost fought in the, in the bathroom. And they were, like, following her and her friends would follow Nikki home. And, I mean, just a whole bunch of chaos. Oh. And so... Teenager stuff. Yeah, and uh, and there was another female that he was seeing that her and Nikki had encountered one another, but they talked their uh, they talked it out, and they realized that Robert was just being a player, and they left it alone. But apparently, his uh, son's mother, she was more of a a stalker where she was starting to stalk this young lady at work and things like that to where she was having to have police escorts. She worked at a mall and she was having to have police escorts to her car because she was that scared. And then, did, Was this um, all the reason that maybe Bobby and Nikki did not end up together at the time? Now we know later, we're going to get to that later with... Of course, they were going to get married several years later, but back at this time, were these women the reason that Nikki and Bobby didn't stay together? Right. Yeah. Because he, he went off and uh, moved to California. Nikki, at the time, had met her daughter's father, and they started uh, seeing one another. And then um, they got serious, and then she had her daughter. and. Years and I can't remember exactly how many years that went past. Um, but she had Peyton, I think it was 93, 92, 93. And Bobby had came back to uh, Richmond right around 97, 98. Yeah. What was and, your um, what was your opinion on Bobby just in general knowing him back then at maybe 18 19 uh do you think he was could he be a violent guy or was he just this guy like to play around with a variety of women well, how would you portray yeah. him 
at the time, I just portrayed him as a man that just liked a variety of women. Um, I I didn't see a violent streak in him um, by no means, but it, he did like the ladies. Okay. And they seemed to like him. She moves on. He moves to California for whatever reason. As you just said, Nikki meets this new guy. His name is Steve. We're not going to use his last name. But mm-hmm. he, uh, Nikki and Steve have the relationship. They have, she has their daughter, Peyton. What can you tell the listeners about that relationship? I think their relationship is right around 98, 99. Oh, okay. And um, during their relationship, you know, they really seem to really... I thought that, you know, at one time I thought that they would end up being married because they really seemed like that they really, really felt deep for one another. Um, they had a decent relationship, just normal, typical issues within a relationship. And um, I didn't really see an issue until Steve started... Uh, he had lost his job, and when he lost his job, a lot of pressure was on Nikki, and he was having to ask others for help, and that's where it went downhill. And um, he started uh, asking coworkers and friends for help to just to get her by because she couldn't do it by herself. So they had a falling out because Steve lost a job, money got a yeah. money got a little tight we know we don't mm-hmm. know how that can be and so they split up did they did they, they split up before bobby came back from california or after he came back from california oh before before right before it was within a month before he came back would you say otherwise that, uh, and Steve is going to be mentioned later in this case as well, but would you say that Steve, besides him having this problem with his job, was he a good guy? Is, was he a good, is he a good father to Peyton? What would you say? He was great father to Peyton. Um, in fact, when Nikki was working and he was staying home, he was with Peyton more often than Nikki because she was so, uh, she was at work all the time or at school. So he was a great father. Um, he seemed like, you know, to me, he seemed like a really nice guy. Just He just didn't have a lot of drive in him. And they seemed like Nikki was looking to do big things, and he didn't have that drive that she needed in her life at that time. He was maybe a little more laid back, and as you yeah. stated before, Nikki kind of ambitious, furthering her education, wants to be in the FBI, um, mm-hmm. you know, climbing the corporate ladder. Okay. Okay. So then Bobby comes back to town right around this time, and what did you think mm-hmm. when Bobby came back to town, and what would you think? Um, When she had told me that she had went on a couple of dates with him, I wasn't amused at first because I know – his history with all the ladies. So at first I was just like, okay, whatever. And then it seemed like it was getting more serious. And the next thing I know, they're moving in together. And 
I was like, okay. And she was just like telling me how she had, you know, always loved him. She never really stopped ever loving him. And this is who the person she wants to spend the rest of her life with. And, you know, I just went along with it. And at that time, he did seem like a a changed person. Um, He seemed like he was more so wanting to be with one female instead of multiple. Um, And um, it just seemed like the soulmate that, you know, I just felt like, okay, this must be really be her soulmate to go so many years without being together and then to reconnect like this. This has to be the right person for her. Right. It just seemed like it was meant to be. Just something about yeah. it. Just something about it. And he had um, proposed to her, and then uh, we knew that they were getting married and stuff. It just seemed like, okay, you know, this is how it's going to be. They're going to be together for, for the rest of their lives or however long. And what um, what did Bobby do uh, for work? We know where Nikki was working. Uh, what was Bobby doing for work? He worked at FedEx. Um, he did that, and before he worked at FedEx, he worked at a auto parts store. Um, that was when he first got back into town, and then he got a job at FedEx. And she was working at the prison, and he worked at FedEx. So they made a decent amount of money together. Sure. How was their relationship, would you say? How did it look to you uh, from the from the outside? You, you know, you're married. You have children. How did it look to you? Um, I felt like at first it seemed like it was a good, you know, I was glad that they were together. But then as months went by it seemed like he was very um picky he wanted her to look a certain way he wanted her to dress a certain way and he just had a lot of demands on what he wanted her to to look like and she started feeling like she wasn't living to what he wanted um, she would find magazines of, uh, he had infatuation with Jennifer Lopez, and uh, she would find magazines of Jennifer Lopez everywhere, and he would always say, this is what I want you to look like, I want your hair like hers. I mean, he just had infatuation with her. And so that started making Nikki feel like she wasn't good enough for him. But then it seemed like things was getting better again. And then as they started spending money for the wedding, it seemed like he started getting a little upset about how much money they were spending. And although he made a good amount of money, Nikki still was the breadwinner. And he would, like, tell her what she could could and couldn't buy with her money. And she would get to the point where if she went shopping or something, uh, she would start she would start bringing stuff to my house and leave it in my closet. Or she take it to my other sister's house, her friend's house. She didn't want him to know that she was spending like she was. And 
then it got to the point where she wasn't she wasn't just spinning and people were giving her gifts. And um she didn't want no one to know that well, didn't want him to know this that her friends and stuff were giving her gifts. Of course. And that she was spending money. So they were having some issues, maybe not necessarily anything that couldn't be worked right. out, maybe. You know, right. maybe, you know, people change, you know, once they get married. We just don't know. But to your knowledge, you never heard about them fighting. There were no domestic calls, no calls to 911, no. nothing, nothing, nothing like that. No, no, nothing like that. Okay. Now, we need to talk about one more guy, and then we're going to get more into the facts of Nikki's disappearance. We need to talk about Tommy Swint a little bit. Who is he? Tommy Swint is a co-worker of Nikki's. Um, he is a gentleman that was probably one of the first people she had become very close friends with when she first started to work there. Um, he was also someone that was seeing another co-worker that she was very close with. Um, Tommy Flint seemed to have an infatuation with Nikki where he was um, always wanting to be around her, asking her to introduce him to her to her friends. Um, she would, you know, when money got short when she was with uh, her daughter's father, um, he would help her out from time to time. And then it got to the point where he just started buying her things. And um, even if she told him not to, he was still buying things. So I think that Tommy Swint, in fact, I know, Tommy Swint had a thing for Nikki, but I, Nikki didn't feel the same way about Tommy Swint. And was Tommy married? Tommy was married. He was married, and he had several different girlfriends, and he dated several of Nikki's friends. Um, and uh, he just always seemed to be in her circle. And he was also having a relationship with one of their mutual co-workers. Yeah, exactly. So he he got a, around uh, a little bit as well. Uh, what year, how long do you think that um, Nikki and Tommy had known each other at the time, excuse me, at the time that Nikki disappeared in 2001? How long do you, how many years do you think they'd known each other? Okay, she, if I remember right, she started working there in 2004. I mean, in 1994, and she came up missing in 2001. So, what about eight years? Seven or years. Seven or eight years. So they knew each other, seeing each other maybe five days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, working in a situation where it's important that everybody, all the uh, people get along. You're working there at a prison. Who knows what can happen? Everybody has to watch each other's back. There has to be a lot of trust. I guess mm-hmm. between between people, and so would mm-hmm. you say that that Tommy would have been considered a friend of Nikki's? Would would she have called him a friend, or was he just kind of a guy that she just was friends with just because they worked together? No, she considered him a friend. 
they seem to have that kind of relationship where he was helping her out, and he seemed like he really, at first he seemed like it was all in good intentions. But then as years progressed, you could tell it was for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you think, just to be honest, just have to ask this, do you think at any time in those seven to eight years that Nikki and Tommy worked together that they might have had a relationship on the side? Anything like no. that? No. No? I, I don't think so. I mean, um, I believe that he wanted to, but I, I don't believe Nikki would cross that line. Now, they had, as I have in my notes here, they had some sort of falling out, though. Um, did she, did, first of all, did Bobby know about Tommy and did they ever run into each other? Were they friends? Yeah. Yeah. They, they went out to a couple, uh, clubs together. He knew of Tommy. He knew that Tommy was seeing, uh, the coworker and he knew that Tommy was married. Um, he didn't, I think he kind of knew, but he never mentioned the fact that he felt like Tommy had a thing for Nikki, but he did notice that he was always wanting to be around Nikki. So Tommy and Nikki uh, knew each other for, let's say, seven years, but they had, I, I guess I would call it a falling out at some point that she hadn't talked to him. Maybe they were working together, but not maybe hanging out, maybe not being as friendly, maybe for some months before mm-hmm. she was going to get married. Can you tell the listeners anything about why that might have happened? Tommy had uh, had loaned her some money, and he had asked, she was going to pay him back. I think she got paid like the next couple of days, and she was going to pay him back. And he had called her on the phone and had told her to remind her that she had to pay him. And she said, yeah, I'm going to give it to you as soon as I get my paycheck. And he said that he didn't want it that way. He wanted her to join him and one of his girlfriends. And um, Nikki just flat out told him, no, I don't do things like that. So he wanted to have, he wanted to, to keep it PG, she he wanted to have a threesome with Nikki and this other woman. Yeah. Okay. And that really turned Nikki off. Yeah. And so that was uh, uh started a fallout that he that Nikki and Tommy just mm-hmm. just uh, weren't as friendly as they were anymore. And I and I suppose I can understand that. Right. Let's move up. So there. So Bobby and Nikki are getting engaged. They're making all these plans. And so let's move up to the day of her disappearance. What can you tell the listeners about that day? Anything strange about that day? Anything unusual as you remember it? And then pass on to the listeners what you know about that day. I hadn't talked to Nikki in about four or five days. Um, but on that Sunday... Um, I was getting a lot of hang-up phone calls. Um, every time I would answer, it would I would say hello three or four times, and they, they would just hang up. So it really started to be annoying where I'm like, okay, who keeps playing on my phone? So um, my husband was doing yard work, and he needed the hose. So, so he went to my mom and dad's house to get 
to buy other holes because we didn't have one at the time. And when he was on his way there, he noticed that Nikki was getting in her car and leaving, and she just waved and left. And um, a few hours went by, and I was supposed to, my sister was going to do my hair that day, and I go to her house, and she's like, have you seen Nikki? And I said, no, I ain't seen her today. She was like, well, Bobby is looking for her. He is going crazy. He thinks something has done happened to her. I'm like, why would he think that? Maybe she's out shopping. They are going to get married. And she was like, I don't know. So while me and her are sitting there, she's going to start right here. He calls back and tells us that he has started to call her friends and stuff like that. And he really just can't find her. Something is wrong. Where was she supposed to be? What what did he say that she did that day or what was she supposed to be doing that day then then that he couldn't find her? Okay, she went to the laundromat. She went to the laundromat and he went to the mall to get fitted for his tux with his best man. She was supposed to have met him back I guess to the house when she got finished with the laundry and she wasn't back yet. So, and, and what time do you think and, this would have been that day? Um, she had, my husband, my mother said when she came up past her house, uh, this was between 2.30 and 3 o'clock. So um, it had to be maybe between 3 or 4 that he started panicking. Already? Yeah. Okay. So she took his car, his SUV, a black uh, SUV, to um, to the laundromat, whereas he was driving her car. Is that right? Right. Okay. Is this a, is this a laundromat she usually went to? Did they not? Did she not have like a regular washer and dryer? Do you know? Do you know anything pertaining no, to she that? She went to this. She went to this laundromat a lot because it was right down the street from our sister's house. And normally she would put her clothes in the wash and she would go sit at my sister's house while they washed. Then she would walk down there and put them in a the dry and go back to my sister's house. But on this day, my sister wasn't home. She was at the movies with her husband. So she was down at the laundromat pretty much by herself. And I guess that's when she put her clothes in the wash and went to my mom's house before she got her clothes to the dry. And what did your mother say about Nikki when she came over to your mother's house? How long was she there? What was her demeanor? What did she say? She said she wasn't there very long, but she was pacing back and forth, and she made a couple of phone calls, and she just finally said, Nikki, what is wrong with you? He just keeps pacing back and forth, and she was like, nothing, Mom, I'm okay. And Nikki was the type of person that she never liked anybody to worry about her. And she also never told my mom and dad much about, she just always was so independent. She just felt like she could handle everything. So she told my mom that there was some Hispanic men at the laundromat giving her a hard time. And my mother suggested to her to go get her things and finish at her house. Well, Nikki said, okay. 
when she left, and that was the last time that anyone seen her. And what time do you think that she was at your mother's that day, that Sunday? This had to be between 2.30 and 3. So we have Nikki, let's say 2.30, leaving your mother's house. She's a little agitated, really doesn't say why, made it a couple phone calls. Any idea who those phone calls were made to? No. No? And she makes a couple phone calls. We don't know who she called or even if she reached anybody. She leaves, but then already, as you said earlier, like an hour later, her fiancé Bobby is already worrying about her. Yep. That's how I went. Okay. Do you think, did at the time, did you think that was a little suspicious? Very. Okay. I I was like, why why are you tripping? I mean, it's not even been a couple hours since she's supposed to have met up with you. I mean, why are you already panicking? And he yeah. was like, I just feel like something is wrong. And he just kept saying that something is wrong. This ain't like her. Did he ever mention anybody? Did he ever have any suspicions? He just, just a general fear, I guess. No, he, he just said, this ain't like her. Something's got to be wrong. Okay. Well, he, he unfortunately, he turns up, he ends up being right because she doesn't come back. And right. so what did you, when did you start realizing, or maybe your mother, maybe your other sisters start realizing that something wasn't right? Well, that night, my dad had suggested that he go down and file a missing persons report. And at first he said, no, we ain't doing that yet. And he was like, well, if you're that worried, either you're going to go down there or I am. And so my dad actually went down there and got the the report. And uh, Robert and my husband filled it out together because Robert couldn't fill it out by himself because... He was that shaky and upset and crying. I mean, it was like the guy really knew she wasn't coming back. Um, it doesn't seem like it, it really has set in anybody in my family. We never expected anything like that. I mean, we just assumed that, you know, she would be back. Why, why are you tricky? Um, I can speak for myself. It wasn't until the next day that I went to her job and I asked them how she showed up and they told me no. It was at that moment when I knew something was wrong because Nikki would never miss work unless it was for a good reason. And she would never not call. And I just broke down and, you know, at that time I just fell to the ground and was crying like, oh my God, what's wrong? Where is Nikki? So um, I had seen Tommy that day, and he had said that him and a couple co-workers were going to be over the next day to help and pass out flyers, and, you know, that was that. And so... And this was all happening in, in Richmond, Indiana. Did you drive around? Uh, yeah. Maybe did you call the, the father of a child, Steve, to see if he had seen her, Any anything like that? We called around to her friends, co-workers, hospitals, um, her job, of course. Um, 
we was calling everybody. We was going door to door asking if anyone's seen her. I know me, my husband, and my cousin had drove to date in that evening on Sunday night and to see if we could see her car like broke down on the highway or something. And um, we didn't see anything, of course. And then the very next day, we had more flyers. People were just, get, you know, donating flyers. And there was like, he had a lot of people looking for her on the first couple of months of her disappearance. And everybody was posting them. And there was also people taking them down. There was also people saying that she's been found. And, but, um, so not only is she missing, though, Bobby's vehicle that she was driving was missing. Right. Uh, did you go down to the laundromat to see if she actually got her clothes? Did anybody down there see her come back? Any Anything like that? Any video camera at the laundromat, for example? There, there was a video camera, but it wasn't recording. And there was a couple people down there. At the time, she was down there, and none of them seemed to tell us anything like there was anything weird going on. None of them could ever come up with the Hispanic thing. Um, and so we didn't have no video down there, but we did have video at a convenience store maybe a half a block away. And it just shows her coming in. I don't know if she's giving, getting change or she's paying for gas or what she's doing, but she's giving the, the cashier something. The cashier's giving her something back. And then she goes out the door. And then when she goes out the door, you see uh, a Hispanic, not a Hispanic man, but a Caucasian man opening the door, looking right to left, and then he goes back out. That seemed a little odd to us at the time, but nothing ever came up with that either. Did they ever track and that? Did the police were the police the ones that found that uh, tape from the convenience store? No, we the went there. Oh, you did. Okay, great. Yeah. Good job to find that. Good. Uh, what time was that? Uh, what time was she in that convenience store? Would it have been before or after she went to see her mother. It seemed like it probably it had to have been like right before. Right before. So maybe mm -hmm. like two o'clock, something like that, one thirty yeah. to two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was the was the Caucasian male in that video ever located? Ever anybody ever track him down? Did he ever come forward? To your knowledge. Um I'm I um all I know is detectives, the detective working on it, he said nothing ever panned out with that gentleman. So I'm not sure if he he spoke with him or how he came up with that. But he said nothing came up with that. And so she's missing, the car is missing, her laundry is missing. I guess she did not find it down there. Uh, did she leave anything else behind, like a purse, ID, anything like that? Um, just her medication, from what I understand. I thought she had uh, left her ID, and after I spoke with my sister, she said, remember, she had her ID and stuff on her with her medication and her wedding, her wedding ring that she left behind. Now, your family, 
was putting these posters up. You're going around. Of course, you found the, the convenience store tape, which I think was a very uh, good move on your part. What was what was Bobby doing during this time? Was he helping out? Was he calling anybody? Was he searching? Was he putting any posters up? Anything? Well, he claimed he was. In fact, he had um, went and bought, he had like a couple cell phones. I don't know why he had a couple, but he had a couple cell phones. He took, uh, he took Nikki's uh, wedding ring back. He said that he did it because he needed to get um, money for more flyers, which was a total lie because we were getting them for free. And um, he, w I mean, I never seen him on any of the searches. We went on searches with the, with the police. At the time, he was. Uh, Everybody else was in bummy clothes. He had on creased pants, all cleaned up. And we asked him why he wasn't helping us. He said because he had to go down to the detective's office. And I guess that's when they gave him his lie detector test. And what happened during, and how long was that after Nikki disappeared? And what were the results? Uh, that was maybe... A little over a week after she disappeared, and from what they said, he failed his lie detector test. He failed it. Yeah. So in asking him about the day the day Nikki disappeared, were they having any issues in the relationship, all those questions that they usually ask people of interest, he failed that test. Maybe not yeah. all the questions, but some of the questions, the person who ran the polygraph determined that he was being untruthful or being evasive. Right. Okay. All right. Do you have any explanation for that? Um, he has said that his attorney had never got a copy of it and that he's never seen it and that he thinks that they're just out to get him. Um, there's no way he could have felt it because he didn't do anything wrong. But he was taking some pills to try to calm down. And if he did fail, that may have been the reason why he failed. Now, there was a, a story that I don't think I've ever heard, and I'm 47 years old. There, there was some sort of discrepancy regarding the arrangements for Nikki's wedding, which maybe to the listeners is a little sounds a little hard to believe. But there was discrepancy about what church the wedding was going to take place at maybe you can explain um when did you first find out about that when did you hear about that and has that ever been resolved um when we found out about that was probably maybe 10 months after nikki came up missing oh two months okay 10 months Ten months. Um, yeah. Wow. It was maybe maybe close to a year. What had happened is um, we did a story with uh, the Montel Williams show with Sylvia Brown, and they came to town and they wanted to go to the church that Nikki was going to be married at, and um, the church that he had us take them to isn't the same church that. Uh, that she was supposed to get married to. 
And at that point, of course, before Nikki disappeared, had the invitations already been printed? Uh, was there any proof that of where they were actually going to get married? Right, yes. Her invitations had been printed, and um, they were filling them out that weekend. She came up missing. So why he would take them to that other church, I, I don't understand why. Do you think he, did you ever ask Bobby about that? Did he ever give any explanation? Was he just confused? Oh. He said that they had just changed their mind after they had got the invitations done, which didn't make sense. Because why would you guys be filling them out? That seems like the most inconvenient time to change mm -hmm. venues when you're actually doing the invitations. Right. And all these years later, 16 years later, has that ever been resolved? Do you still, to this day, even know why that mistake or discrepancy existed? No, still to this day, don't know. To your knowledge, what is Bobby's alibi for the day that Nikki disappeared? We know what he said he was going to do. Did he go do that? Was he with anybody? Any proof? He was with his best man, and they was at the tuxedo shop, but how long they was there, you know, they said they did come in to do the tuxedo and stuff, and then right afterwards they left. I mean, I, time? I've, I've had tuxedo sized for me before. It hasn't been very recently, but that's like a 10-minute job. Yeah, right. <laughs> And so if he went at noon, he'd be done by one. And if she's going, you know, it just depends on what mm -hmm. time he was getting his tux sized at, I guess. Right. And you don't I know. know they had to. Uh, I, if I'm right, church lets out. He she had to leave him around one, one thirty. So he went there right afterwards. He had to be done no later than two thirty. And now we've been right around the time that she was going up to my mom's house. And then around 4, 4.30, he's getting worried. I don't know. Seems it seemed like a little odd to me that he was so worried so fast. And that, that does seem a little odd. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think that he ever knew in the time that they were dating and then got engaged that this other guy, Tommy, and we're going to talk about him again very shortly. Um, do you think that Bobby ever knew that Tommy was maybe doing some nice things behind the scenes for Nikki? Maybe. Could I, have, do you have any idea about that? I think he had an idea. Because he would like mention little things like, I don't know why he keeps, you know, um, she told me about a couple of things he bought her. Who buys somebody something and they got a fiance? I mean, he's he's got his own wife. Buy her something. Right. And of course, as you already mentioned, he had a lot of women on the side too. Tommy right. did. Right. So, I mean, how much, how much uh, money and, and gifts and things can he spread around? Right. You know, it's not, it doesn't sound like he was a millionaire. He was working at a prison. Right. They make, those people make good money, but I don't know if the money's that no, good. No, it's not that good. 
Okay, so, I, so, but uh, Bobby did eventually find out about this, and do you know how he reacted to it? In fact, he found out after she came up missing. Okay. And I had a conversation with him because um, he knew that I had went to see Detective Redman. This was right around the time her vehicle was found. Mm-hmm. And that Detective Redman had a lot of questions behind Tommy and Darlene. And he was just asking me, why does he keep asking all these questions about them? And then I just told him, I'm like, look, uh, from what I gather, he's a person of interest. Um, they had a couple interviews with him. They didn't like what they got from him. Um, they've been looking hard into his accounts and stuff like that. And uh, okay. he used to, you know, buy Nikki things. And, and they have proof that he really bought these things. Because right. they, they got a hold of his uh, credit card statements and stuff like that. And so we're talking about Tommy Swint in this. Instance. So after Nikki disappeared, we know that Bobby had a lie detector test done uh, for him. Mm-hmm. I guess he's. I guess he volunteered. I'm not necessarily volunteered for it, but as you know, sometimes people don't want to do lie detector tests. But mm-hmm. he chose to do it. They asked him. He did it. He failed. Do you know if Tommy Swint ever had a lie detector test done on him? And how much of a suspect was he considered? after Nikki disappeared. Okay, I know Bobby was kind of cornered into d- doing the lie detector test. He's kind of forced into it, uh, but he did fail. As far as Tommy goes, uh, I know he never did a lie detector test. I know they did get some DNA from him, and this was years later out of, um, uh, a lawsuit that he had started and he was kind of on TV and um, yeah. kind of pointing fingers here and there and he kind of stepped into something where I'll give you my DNA right now. I ain't got nothing to hide. So they they got it from him. But at the time of Nikki's disappearance in 2001, he it doesn't sound to me like he was looked at as hard as Bobby was. The first few months... I think after, right before they found the vehicle, maybe a month before November, he was starting to get looked into deeper. And they were starting to, uh, they still had their eye on Robert, but they were starting to look more harder on Tommy because of the interviews they had had in the recent months. Right after she came up missing, they went to her job and interviewed everybody. And their encounter with Tommy was more forceful. They had to kind of make him uh, sit down and talk to him. And he had sunglasses on all the time. And there were certain questions he wouldn't answer. And he was giggling and laughing. And it was just, it just stood out to them like, okay. What's wrong with this guy? Now, you have a story that that maybe could have put, we don't know, 
um, Nikki going to Tommy's place on that day, and it has to do with uh, a story that you told me before about some hair and nails and this woman that Tommy was with that he and Nikki worked with. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Okay. The day she came up missing, she had spoke with the co-worker, Tommy's girlfriend, about some hair and nail vitamins, and she knew that she knew where to get them, and um, she said she talked to Nikki very briefly, found out they talked longer than a brief conversation of where to get the vitamins, and um, this girl and Tommy was living together at the time of Nikki's disappearance on that Sunday. Uh, there was a couple of the neighbors in the neighborhood that said that they was pretty sure that they seen Nikki's vehicle in front of that house the day she came up missing. Where Tommy was living yeah. with this girlfriend. Now, how far is this house away from, for example, the laundromat? Um, from the laundromat, see, because the laundromat's in Richmond, Indiana, and this is still Dayton, Ohio, so... So in a totally other state, different state. Yeah, yeah. It's about maybe 50 minutes. So if Nikki wanted to get these vitamins, she would have had to have driven to a totally different state, to another city... Uh, 45 minutes, 50 minutes uh, to do this. She couldn't just like stop by after getting her laundry done. Um, I don't know what the name of the uh, vitamins were, and I don't know if it was like a certain place in Dayton that they sold them, that they didn't sell them in Richmond. But from the conversation that Darlene said she had with her, that that's what they talked about. And from what I have been told by the detectives and stuff, they have, they said that they believe Nikki had drove to Dayton herself. And she was looking for these hair and nail vitamins. And she might've been able to go over to where Tommy Swint just happened to be living, not his house. It was his girlfriend's Mm -hmm. house. And she Mm -hmm. just happened to have them there. And just coincidentally, she might have, Nikki might have had to have run into Tommy to get this from her house. Right. Okay. And you, and when did this story, uh, did you find out about this story? Do you remember? About the hair and nail vitamins? Yes. Yeah. Um, that was maybe a month after she came up missing. Okay. Maybe a month and a half. And you also mentioned that neighbors might have seen Nikki's vehicle, technically Bobby's vehicle, mm-hmm. in in the driveway of this house that mm-hmm. day. That seems to me like a pretty considerable uh, piece of information, but uh, mm-hmm. why didn't the police follow up on that a little harder? Um, they said that they the neighbor wasn't a hundred percent guaranteed that he had his days right, and uh, so they really couldn't 
question them again about it because they wouldn't give them 100% that it was Sunday and not Saturday or could have been could have been another day and it could have been a yeah. vehicle that looked like mm -hmm. that looked like uh, the, the yeah, vehicle that Nikki they just was driving. said they believed they had seen that vehicle there on that Sunday. Mm -hmm. oh. Now there's another story and this has to do with a couple days afterwards uh, about Tommy Swint and this co-worker slash girlfriend of mm -hmm. his. And it had to do with a conflict on which day they came to help for this search. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get their story straight. What can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? The police wanted to know which day they was there on Monday or on Tuesday. And I went to the prison on Monday. That was the day after Nikki came up missing. And I had remembered them telling me that they would be down there the next day and they would be helping with flyers and such. Well, they told the police that they were down there. They weren't down there on Tuesday. They were down there on Monday. And I don't know why the police made that such a big issue, but I guess just trying to figure out where everybody was around the time she came up missing was very important and they couldn't get their days straight with us because we were like no she they weren't down here then they were down here this other day you know on tuesday so that became a big deal on which day were they actually there all right well so was it the day after she disappeared or was it two days after she disappeared that, that it, they was, came two, up? it, it was, was two days and i i'm pretty 100% positive that it was two days after because I went to that prison on that Monday to see if my sister had showed up for work. And yeah. that's when they told me she hadn't been there. And, and that's that when I ran into down. them and they said they were coming out the, the next day. Right. And that, and the reason you remember that is because that's a defining moment. That's when you yeah. said, man, that's when I know, knew that my sister, something wrong had happened because she right. didn't show up for work. Right. Okay. Now there's another interesting story and we're going to maybe backtrack a little bit that has something to do with Tommy Swin. If the listeners remember that Tommy and Nikki had a falling out because he invited Nikki to have, instead of paying him back with money, he wanted her to come over and do mm -hmm. some things with his girlfriend. So they mm -hmm. hadn't talked to each other. Maybe they'd seen each other at work, but they just weren't as friendly. Mm -hmm. um, but what happened at the, the bridal shower that Nikki had? Tommy actually sent her uh, a gift. Yeah, he and sent her some, uh, uh, some lingerie, which we thought was very odd. He had a co-worker bring it to him. To the shower and we just all thought it was very odd that this man is sending lingerie to a young lady that's getting married it's very disrespectful and just plain our rude um, yes why would you do that yes my idea of bridal shower gifts are like toasters and wine mm -hmm. glasses and things like that and Tommy is sending her something from Victoria's Secret or something. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that raised a lot of eyebrows at that bridal shower. Right. We just didn't understand. I mean, she looked totally shocked. Yeah. 
did do you know did she say anything to you about it like well i'm gonna have to talk to tommy about this anything anything like that yeah she was like i don't know why he would send send this to me um she said when i get to work monday me and him are definitely gonna have to have a talk this ain't right the vehicle that she was uh, driving, Bobby Webster's vehicle, was eventually found. What can you? When was it found? Where was it found? And what can you tell the listeners all about that? There's some uh, coincidental things regarding this. Okay. Nikki's vehicle was found on November 3rd of 2001, maybe three and a half months after her disappearance. Um. It happened to be found at an, the, an apartment complex that her daughter's father lived at that Nikki and Robert had lived at maybe a year before. And um, it was maybe not even a mile away from where Tommy and Darlene were living. And this is not in Richmond, Indiana, where Nikki lived, where the laundromat was, where where you lived, your sister mm-hmm. lived. This is over in Dayton, Ohio, where this apartment complex is. Right. Okay. Because Nikki had just moved. She had probably been back in uh, Indiana maybe a year. She was still working in Ohio, but she was driving back and forth. And so Tommy happened to live near there mm-hmm. uh the the father of nikki's daughter lived mm-hmm. did he did he and he still lived in that apartment complex when this happened yeah he did mm-hmm. that is uh, some sort of coincidence okay and mm-hmm. what can you tell the listeners about the vehicle what condition was it in what was inside it um her clothes were still folded in the back of the the SUV. Um, the door was ajar. That's how the sheriff um, kind of rolled up on it and noticed the door ajar a little. So he got out, started looking at it, and he noticed that um, the radio was gone. Um, there was clothes in the back. Uh, they did notice some uh, spider webs and stuff on it. Um, there was papers. What I remember, there was papers uh, on the floor. And um, I, from what I, from what they said, they didn't get anything out of it, like as far as forensics or anything. All they got was the laundry bag pretty much and as you said the the laundry wasn't we have to remind the listeners this is a few months three four months after she disappeared and the laundry was still folded in the back seat sitting in the back seat right any idea how long it had been parked there did the police have any idea did anybody who lived in the apartment complex and any have any idea um the police thought that uh somebody was moving it around on the comp, like somebody had to leave, live close to the complex and was moving it from place to place, parking it in different areas, but on the complex. Um, I had a lady telling me that 
on a Thursday. They found the vehicle on a Saturday. On the Thursday that she had noticed the vehicle in the parking lot, and she had mentioned to her husband that, look, that looks like that missing woman's vehicle, and he told her basically, you know, stay out of it. There's no way that it's going to leave it right there. And so she said that she never thought anything else about it until that Saturday when the police showed up and they kind of locked down the complex and they was going from door to door uh, trying to figure out how this car got out there and maybe was Nikki in one of these apartments. So what did uh, Nikki's ex have to say about this? The father of her daughter, he's in that accomplice complex i'm sure he was asked about it he didn't yeah, notice he, it he didn't notice he it said, or anything he said that he never noticed it um he had lived there you know uh right around the time she came up missing and he said he's only he had only seen the vehicle a couple of times because this was Robert's vehicle. He was used to seeing Nikki's vehicle when she would drop off the daughter. But he had seen it a couple of times, but he said he never noticed it out there. Do you believe that that truck was being moved around in that apartment complex like the police believe? Or do you think that it was sitting somewhere else and then somebody just stuck it in there? Any any insight into that? What's your gut telling you? I, I, I believe that it may have been... Uh, in maybe Darlene's garage, and when they felt a little comfortable, they finally decided to put it in this parking lot, and it may have been there a couple weeks or so, but I don't believe it was there for three months. And Darlene, we're not going to say her last name, is the co-worker mm -hmm. slash girlfriend of Tommy Swint. Right. Okay, and we're going to get back to Tommy Swint because, um... He uh, did some things after this. Uh, he was connected to some other uh, cases after uh, mm -hmm. Nikki's disappearance. But right now, I want to talk about Bobby's ex. This would be the mother of Bobby's child, fiance Bobby. And this would be a woman that Nikki had a problem with going way back to their high school days. You told me that there was some odd behavior that this woman displayed in the days before Nikki disappeared. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Nikki was supposed to get married August the 19th. She comes up missing July 22nd. Um, a week before she came up missing, this is his son's mother was living in an apartment complex. Um, a week before her disappearance, she moves. She throws away brand new furniture, TVs. It's just like she was trying to get out of the way fast. So maybe two days after Nikki came up missing, uh, we had a man uh, contact my mom and dad and say that they seen a male and a female carrying a girl through this field with a coat on and it stood out in his head because it was 95 degrees outside 
late at night and this person got a coat over this lady's head and body and they're carrying her through this field. And where was this? And how close was this to where you live, where the laundromat is, to all of that? Where was this again? This was uh, maybe maybe five minutes away from the laundromat. Um, this was at uh, where Bobby, Bobby's son's mother, April, where she lived at. This was right behind her house before, but she had moved a week before this man had seen, because Nikki didn't come up missing until a week after she had moved. But she lived at this complex where this man had seen him carrying this woman through this field. And when did you when did you hear that story? How long ago? How long after Nikki disappeared? Were you told this story? Maybe a week, two weeks afterwards. And did the police look into it? Uh, they said they did, but uh, there was like before Detective Redmond got a hold of the case, there was some other detectives working on it. And there's a lot of things that they waited to do. I don't really think that they took it serious. I don't really think they took it serious. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they thought, because the area she was uh, washing clothes at wasn't the best area. And I really believe that they thought, okay, just your average black woman in this urban area um it was kind of like there was drugs and stuff around the area i'm not going to sit there and lie and i think they thought wrong to her until they checked into her as a person and seemed like okay this is a uptown citizen she works she works in the criminal justice field so they so they kind of uh the police didn't do everything that they should. Not in the first couple of weeks. No, they didn't. No, but this detective Redman, uh, you have a little more mm-hmm. con. You got had a little more confidence in him. Yeah, yeah. He got on top of things, and it was weeks later. I mean, come on. Where could you be two weeks later after she was reported missing on the twenty second? He didn't get it till two or three weeks later. They weren't looking into it too hard. Everything had to be forced. We begged them to do searches. We begged them to look for a car. I mean, things like that we had to beg them to do because they weren't really thinking nothing big was wrong. Like maybe this woman just doesn't want to get married and she just left Left. and she'll be back. But... It wasn't until Detective Redmond got on the case where he started putting more and more things together where they realized, okay, this is an endangered missing woman. We have to find her. And we've let three weeks go by. What you have, it seems, is a, is a lot of information. You've had some sightings. You have a sighting of a vehicle out in front of Tommy Swint's house, possibly. Mm-hmm. You have a sighting of maybe a woman being carried 
near mm-hmm. the house of uh, a woman who had a beef mm-hmm. with Nikki. You have mm-hmm. the fiance who failed a lie detector test and did some shady things that day, kind of freaked out before it looked like there was any reason to freak out. You got mm-hmm. a lot of – the story really goes in a lot of directions, doesn't it? Right. But it all – it seems to me, though, that the, the story keeps coming back to Tommy Swint, and it right. has to do with some other things that he was involved in outside of Nikki's disappearance. What went on with Tommy Swint after Nikki disappeared in, the like, the next years? Okay, um – he became probably the main suspect the police were focusing on him and the the darling lady um found out information about him and stalking other women and uh, him being married. Well, we already knew he was married, but him being with the wife and Darlene Pretty, he was going back and forth, back and forth all the time. And then he had a a whole bunch of different women that he was either trying to pursue or he was um, harassing. Um, Found out that he was into prostitution. Um, He was actually putting girls out there getting money you know he was their pimp do you think nikki knew this about him uh i don't think she knew that much i do remember her telling me one time that he had given her a ride home for work and she had her hat on she had a ponytail and she just had her hat over her head and they went down this particular street where there, there's, you know, you see prostitutes. And she said that they stopped at a stoplight and one walked up to the car. And she looked into the car and he had said to her, how much you going to charge me to do both of us? And she said that she smacked him and said, what are you talking about? And then he started giggling and he pulled off. And I do know that she knew that he did security at a hotel where he would tell her about prostitutes coming in and out of the the uh, hotel. So she had some aspect of it. But as far as the the incident that comes later with the a woman that he was supposed to have harmed years before Nikki came out missing. I don't think she knew anything about that. No, and that that woman's name was Tina Marie Ivory, and she was Mm -hmm. murdered, I mean, 10 Mm -hmm. years before Nikki disappeared. She was murdered in 1991, Mm -hmm. um, and Tommy was the main, ended up being the main suspect. Uh, What can you tell the listeners uh, about that? Okay, um, it was, okay, they had, um, I guess they had been, uh, someone had mentioned, Tommy's name had been mentioned prior 
to this cold case detective getting a hold of this Tina Ivory case. And they really never did anything with it. But when this cold case detective came on the board, um, she looked more into it. And um, they had an anonymous phone call um, that brought her attention to it. And they told her that she needed to look at Tommy Quint. And um, she started looking more into it. And then she contacted the Richmond Police Department to see if they had any kind of DNA on him. And they happened to have that DNA, just in case they ever needed it. And um, she tested the, the tape, I guess, that was wrapped around the uh, rug or blanket that the woman was wrapped in. And sure enough, it came back to be Tommy Swint's uh, fingerprints. Yeah, they found his fingerprints on the tape mm -hmm. that had been used to wrap this woman, Tina Marie Ivory, and she was what? She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And the belief is that Tommy Swint was her pimp. Her pimp and her boyfriend. Boyfriend. And in that time bef between, when did this all happen? What year was that that he was finally, uh, that was finally identified? Do you remember what year that was? Yeah, it was um, February uh, 2010. So nine years, not quite nine years after Nikki disappears, mm -hmm. Tommy Swint moves on with his life. And in fact, he became a cop at one yeah. point. Yeah. And then lost that job because he was what he he was because of Nikki's disappearance because he was right. a suspect in it. Yeah, because I had got word that he had just got hired on at the police department, and I contacted Redmond, and I told him, and he was so livid. He was like, "How could they possibly give this man a job as a police officer when he is a person of interest?" And the disappearance of endangered missing woman. It's been all over the TV. They know. And so he contacted them. They said they didn't know. And he said, I don't understand how don't you do background. You know, I'm a police officer. I know what you got to do to become a cop. And they said they did everything they were supposed to do. But, um, I found out that there was a couple things that they went around doing because Tommy knew a lot of the right people. If you if he knew a lot of right of the right people, so he wouldn't have to do things other officers may have had to, to do to become police officers. So, so so he lost his job. I think he tried to sue the department, right? And Yeah, he, he tried to sue the department. He tried to sue a couple of newspapers. Um, he tried to sue me. And uh, the judge pretty much just threw it out and laughed in his face. And then at that time, that's when he felt like he was blackballed from just, you know, Dayton, Ohio area. So then that's when he moved down there in Alabama. 
and then 2010 comes around. I'm going to ask you this. If you want to say, you can, if you have a suspicion, you can say. If you don't want to say, that's fine. Do you have any suspicion? Have you ever thought about it? Who the anonymous tipster might have been that led police to suspect Tommy and Tina Marie Ivory's disappearance? Any have any ideas who that that anonymous tipster might have been? Um, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I have an idea, and I believe it was. I'm not going to say their name, but I believe it was a co-worker of Nikki's and his, and I believe he overheard a conversation. From what I was told, he overheard a conversation of Tommy talking to another man, making jokes about it. That's interesting. Okay. When he heard it, that's when he called it. Okay, well, I'm glad. If that's how it went down, I'm glad he did. Very good. Now, unfortunately, where is Tommy now? He killed himself. He killed himself when the police came after him after he was identified and they came after him. Mm-hmm. After he was indicted for Tina Ivory. That kind of, do you think that kind of makes maybe Nikki's disappearance a little harder to solve? Extra harder extra harder um i mean i know that you might have some some harbor some feelings against him and your family but you surely did not want him to commit suicide or die or anything like that right no no that i believe he was being a coward he was taking the easy way out he harmed a lot of women um not just tina ivory and if he, you know, if he harmed my sister, but there was other encounters with women that he scared and that I found out that he took advantage of. Um, I kind of became a detective, not wanting to become a detective when it came to Tommy Swinton. I learned a lot about him and the things that he was into. And he took a lot of things with him if these women are telling the truth of the things that he did to them, and I believe that he took a coward way out. Um, whoever the person is that took Nikki away, um, if that's the case, I want to be able to look them in the face and ask them why. Why would you take this mother away from her child why would you take this child away from her mother and father why would you break a family into pieces for what and i want to be able to ask them that question and if that's tommy swint i will never be able to ask him those questions so i was very angry in fact, I was livid when I found out he killed himself. Because in my heart, I really believe that Tommy Swin knows what happened to my sister. I do believe that he has had either pillow talk with his wife or a girlfriend, or he's had an accomplice. I believe someone out there knows something, but I believe Tommy Swint 
did something to my sister, and I'm we may never find out unless one of these other people come forth. You had mentioned Pillow Talk, and you had used her name already, this woman, uh, Darlene, who was a co-worker and was Tommy's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Do you think that she knows more than she's let on the last 16 years? Yes. Have you ever talked to her? Have you ever tried to get anything out of her? When was the last, mm -hmm. ever time, last time you saw her or anything? Yeah, I, I tried to talk to her, and... Um... She she well she said that she would never hurt Nikki. Why well, was she? She was like her best friend. She couldn't believe that we would even think that. I mean, she didn't make what she said went in one ear and out the other because she just seemed so much like a Tommy's robot. Like she was telling me things that he allowed her to tell me. And like she was scared of him, and that um, I believe that still to this day. But now that he's gone, I believe she's kind of even still scared to come forth because she kind of done implicated herself into this messy situation. If she has some parts of knowing and not coming forth and telling so she right. might she might have been not necessarily an accomplice but maybe mm -hmm. an accessory after the fact like right. maybe she comes home and she discovers tommy might mm -hmm. have done something right exactly okay do you know uh this was the house that uh tommy and darlene were living in and technically it was darlene's house after mm -hmm. you know the sighting of the car out in front that a neighbor allegedly saw and then um, Tommy, of course, being implicated in the murder of this other woman. Has that house, uh, to your knowledge, ever been searched? Does Darlene still live there? Does somebody new live there? Has anybody ever gone onto the property inside to, to check it out? I know that the detective said that they looked outside. Uh, that, as far as I know, no one's looked inside it. Um, Last I heard, um, some uh, one of the co-workers had told me that she moved, and I heard that she was still there. Um, my belief is that if there's anything in the house, that she's never going to leave it, because if the next person moves in and we happen to, to they happen to allow us to come in and look in, in there, and we might discover something. Technology and stuff is a lot different now than it was back then. And there may be something in there that will help us to solve this. But it's true. Um, I agree. I, I really I agree. don't believe that if she, I don't believe that she will ever move that away from that house. I believe her secret lies within that house. And if she, walks away from it, there might be a lot of things coming out that she doesn't want. If Tommy, if Tommy is suspected, uh, and the reason we suspect this is because we know that he did murder at least one other woman. 
I mean, that, mm-hmm. of course, is going to move him right up at the top of the list. Even mm-hmm. though it seems like Bobby can't pass a lie detector test. You have this ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. of his that, mm-hmm. you know, has some issues. But Tommy's going to be number one because he actually has a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that Tommy might have killed some other women? We just don't know about it. It's very possible. I don't put nothing past Tommy Swint. I remember him kind of like joking one day. We, uh, we was all hanging out together, and he was in the service, and he was talking about how he had to ambush uh, these women and their kids. And he just thought it was so funny. And he, I mean, he was actually laughing to us when he was telling us the story. And, you know, it just sickened me. And he's always rubbed me the wrong way anyway. And I would always tell my sister, you know, quit being this guy's friend. Something's wrong with him. And... I, you know, she worked with him. I felt, I, I think that she felt like, you know, he helped me out a couple times. You know, he's been there for me a few times. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I always felt that this guy was capable of anything just because of his demeanor and just because how he came off like he was this incredible hawk and he could do whatever he wanted to any woman and they just have to take it and um and it could be that in nikki's case you know maybe she was loud into a, a lulled into a false sense of security being that she worked with him for seven years right and to your knowledge you know i don't know if he ever really did anything um, that physical to her. Maybe he harassed mm-hmm. her a couple times, tried to get her involved, mm-hmm. you know, in that threesome situation, maybe some other things. But, you know, she never said to you that, you know, Tommy hit me or no. punched me or she never had to go to the hospital because of Tommy or anything like that, yeah. right? No, she was just scared. I mean, he was just like, like, this was like maybe a few weeks before she had uh, came up missing, um, Bobby had started dropping her off at a, another co-worker's house because he had to be at work at 5 in the morning and Nikki had to be at work at 7. So he would drop her off at the co-worker's house and then her and Nikki would arrive to work together. And there was numerous times that they would come outside and Tommy be sitting there waiting for Nikki to come out and and the co-worker said a lot of times she would come outside and tell him to leave so he just start being a look a very like stock very stalking like and I know that to be true because more than one woman has came up and told me that he did the same thing to them so um, as far as putting his hands on her or anything, not to my knowledge, other than me walking in on him and him leaning over on her and she screamed, you know, he's trying to rape me, but she never told me anything about him putting his hands on her. You know, you'd 
mentioned something early in the conversation. I want to follow it up with it right now. Before Nikki disappeared, you said something about you had been getting some phone calls with people hanging up. They'd mm-hmm. call, you'd answer the phone, then hang up. Did that mm-hmm. did that continue after Nikki disappeared? And did you ever figure out who that might have been? I never figured out who that was. Um, it stopped later that. Well, I never went back home after I left because that's when she came up missing. But why the next day when I went back to my house, I never got any more. So it was just that one day, like right around the time that all this was happening, that they was calling, hanging up. And was that, did any of you have cell phones at the time? You, Nikki, anybody else in your family? No. No. Okay. No. Well, we didn't have cell phones. Robert, you know, Bobby had got a couple cell phones after the fact that she's missing, but no one had them before. Okay. What did this do to your family, Michelle? I mean, how did, I mean, I know that, you know, it's been 16 years now. Uh, You know, how's it been? Well, three and a half years into this, my dad died. Um, my family is, we were once a very close-knit family. We're all living separate lives, hardly talking to one another. It's kind of pulled us so far apart. Um, Nikki's daughter has been married now. She's married now. She has... Nikki has a grandchild that she knows nothing about. Um, and a little girl that may never know her grandmother. Um, Nikki's daughter has went from being um, a nine-year-old girl with a mom to living all this time not knowing where her mom is. Um, but to be honest with you, even through all that, she has, um, made a a lot of accomplishments, even through the hard times of not knowing where her mom is. And I'm very proud of her. Um, do you see a lot? Her her name is Peyton. Peyton. Yeah. Do you see a lot of her? Do you see a lot of Nikki in her? Yeah. If he, if she smiles, it's like watching Nikki smile. Um, yeah, you can see Nikki a lot through Peyton. Um, she's doing okay. She's got a little girl now, and she's married, and um, she's still, you know, now that she's old enough to, because we kept a lot of stuff from her until she was, you know, good age to, to know things. And, you know, she's doing her own thing, trying to find out what happened to her mom. And brothers and sisters, even I myself, I, I kind of fallen apart. I got a a lot of things going on with my health. I found out I have Parkinson's. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just like when when all this happened, I put 
so much into it, I kind of forgot about myself and my family. And I neglected my kids because I was so focused on finding my sister and my marriage. And um, then I got sick and I've been diagnosed with being disabled since 2008. Um, I'm not allowed to drive anymore. I have a, a nurse that comes and checks on me once a week. And um, I do have, uh, I did have another child in 2009 and she has autism so i'm also dealing with that and um it's just did a lot of uh damage but i'm still so driven and focused to find out what happened to my sister no matter how long it takes me even if i have yeah. to do it by myself yeah. i will forever be nikki's voice and no one will never forget about Nikki. In one way or another, I will get justice for my sister, even if it kills me doing it. Um, my my mom, you know, she's very she's seventy six now, so she's getting her age is getting up there and she's had a, numerous health problems in fact right now she's in the hospital and she blames herself constantly because she let nikki walk out that door and she wonders if i would have went with her would we have the same outcome we have today and i tried to to let her know, mom, it wasn't your fault. How would, how did no. you know? How did you know? I mean, that's the last thing you think that your child's gonna come up missing. Of course. Um, of course. So, yeah, it's kind of tore my family apart. We all have our own um, belief on what, on who we think is involved, but. Uh, majority of us think it was Tommy Swint. Um, I know a couple of them think that Tommy and Bobby may have had something to do with it together. And then there's a few that just just don't know. I don't want to point fingers at nobody without any proof, without any facts. I'm not going to blame Tommy, Robert. Or whoever I want to know. So I myself think that Tommy knows what happened to my sister. Do you think that her being nervous that day when she went over to her mother's, do you think that, that her being nervous is directly related to her disappearing? Mm-hmm. And do you think that possibly this is that do you think that she was kind of lying to your mother when she, you know, your mother asked, was it bothering you? And she said it was some Hispanic guys down oh, at the laundry. I'm, I'm 100% positive that she lied to my mom because sure. Nikki was so, 
so, so independent. I mean, she thought she could handle anybody and everybody. And being in her field, and she worked as a hostage negotiator, and she dealt with she dealt with men that committed crimes on a daily. You know, she did that was her job, so she felt like she could handle things. She didn't need to tell mom and dad what was going on. She was scared. Nikki was never scared. So how could she tell them she's scared? Because she tried to portray like she was never scared. And I know for a fact that if she, if she was got scared at the laundromat or with the phone calls, whatever had her pacing back and forth, that she would have never had told my mom the truth. Of course. Never. But she wouldn't have wanted her worrying and, you know, she just thought she was this big, strong. She was as small as a pea, but she thought she could conquer the world. <laughs> and, um, she she challenged many people. She didn't let her little size um, stop her. You have a website or a Facebook page set up for mm -hmm. your sister Nikki. Why don't you tell the listeners what it is? Um, Mister Nikki McCown. Uh, had it up. I can't remember when I started it. It's been a good five or six years now. Okay. And I got over, I think, over 2,000 uh, Facebook friends uh, on there. And I just talk to people, try to let them know what's going on, um, if anything's changed. Um, I've gotten, to, you know, a lot of people like yourself that I came across because of the Facebook page. Sure. So it's been a great tool. Um, social media is is a way to accomplish a lot of things nowadays. Nice. And uh, it's helped out a lot. It's got a, a lot of doors open. Um, still don't know where Nikki is. Um, still don't know what happened to her. But it gives me a reason to feel like I have not stopped. I'm still searching for her. I'm still searching for you, Nikki. I haven't given up on you. So every time I put a post up or whatever, I feel like I'm still doing something. Even though my health isn't the best like it was back then, I'm still able to do something. And I never want to stop doing for my sister because somewhere out there, somebody knows something. Yeah. Someone knows what happened to Nikki McCown. And whether it be on social media or by word of mouth, you know, one day, one day, Nikki will have justice. And I'm going to, um, of course, they'll be hearing, the listeners will be hearing that this episode this Friday, but between now, us doing this interview on Monday night, and Friday, I will be linking to that to make sure everybody knows where to go 
you know, mm-hmm. from the Unfound podcast discussion group. I know you're in there. And mm-hmm. on Instagram and other places, I'll make sure that people are directed there. So I'm hoping to get a lot more people, you know, to join your page so they can follow what you've been doing. And, you know, hopefully we'll get some listeners uh, interested in Nikki's disappearance. Maybe they can help you out. Maybe they have some insight. Maybe somebody knows something. I, I appreciate you 150%. Thank you. Thank you. Any last words, Michelle, before we conclude this interview? Um, I just want to um, personally, of course, thank you. And to just say to anyone out there that has a missing loved one, don't ever give up. Um, become their voice. Um, continue to fight for them. Um, you don't know how it feels uh, to live in the not knowing until it happens to you. So we have to never give up on our loved one and continue to fight for them. And it's people like you yourself that gives us that hope. And I really appreciate talking with you tonight. And thank you for having me on your show. Michelle, you're welcome. And I appreciate you joining me on this episode of Unfound. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Michelle McCown-Luster, sister of Nikki McCown. I thank her for appearing on this episode. As you heard late in the interview, Michelle and her family are having health issues at the time this episode is posted. It would have been very easy for her to put off the interview, but she was insistent that she wanted to speak for her sister, doing the interview from two or three different locations over the course of three phone calls to make it happen. And so in the interview, she is not just giving lip service to her desire to get justice for her sister. Michelle will see this search to its conclusion, and I experienced her dedication firsthand. Nikki's disappearance. It's one that on the surface seems so very straightforward. You have a known killer who was an obsessed friend. And with that bridal gift, it's obvious Tommy Swint was trying to weasel his way back into Nikki's life if only to say, hey, I'm still here. And three days after that shower, Nikki disappears. The question is, why would Nikki ignore the warning sign that Tommy was going to try to get in the way of her marriage? Why would she seemingly drive to his home? I wonder if Tommy threatened to do something to Nikki's daughter if Nikki didn't come to his house that day. I wonder if Nikki kind of knew Tommy had killed a woman already and knew he was capable of doing it again. Could that be the reason that Nikki was nervous that day? It makes a lot of sense, especially considering that Nikki seemed to be afraid of nothing. But a threat on her daughter would certainly get her fear rising. Yes, that seems pretty straightforward, and a common scenario in disappearances and murders, women showing up to meet men who are violent. But then there's Bobby, and the lie detector test, and the engagement ring his obsession with Jennifer Lopez, and not remembering what church he was supposed to be married in, and him sounding the alarm bells well before anyone could have known Nikki was in trouble. Not to mention that Bobby certainly knew that his ex continued to have problems with Nikki. It was common knowledge. That's a lot of warning signs there. Could it be that Bobby failed the lie detector test because he suspected his ex of harming Nikki? that the ex might have made a comment not long before Nikki disappeared about how the marriage would never happen, and Bobby never took it seriously until Nikki disappeared. 
Then he failed the lie detector test because in his mind, he kind of knew his ex was up to something, covering for her for that very reason. Could Bobby's ex be the true culprit in Nikki's disappearance? And is Tommy Swint just a murderer who is an innocent bystander in this disappearance? I think that has to be considered. My belief is that would know a lot more about all of this if somebody could get inside Tommy and Darlene's house to examine the walls, ceilings, and floorboards. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and or Podomatic and give Unfound a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound. Thank you.